People of Metropolis, Rob here again, just letting you know that this is part two of our discussion on all the different versions of the classic Superman versus Asteroids and Amnesia story originally seen in the 1950s comic Menace from the Stars. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and check it out as Alan loses his mind with anger at a 70-year-old TV show, and it's one of the funniest things I've heard in my life. Uh, tonight we're talking about Superboy Lost and the Lois and Clark episode all shook up and we have a lot of fun even if you can tell we're getting a little bit tired at the end because we were talking for three hours. Uh, don't forget you can like us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Superfan and follow us on Twitter at All Star Superpod. We want to hear from you. Have you ever gone up against an asteroid? Do you ever get amnesia? Have you ever gone and fought a cult leader or had an insane billionaire create an exact replica of your apartment? Let us know. But for now, on with the show. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. We're moving on now to the Superboy show. So uh, th- this is kind of the the, the stra- for me it's the strangest Superman show ever. I don't know about you. It is one hundred. Um, it was. It's definitely the. It's definitely the strangest live action Superman show ever. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the same as we did with George Reeves. What is your relationship with this show? Uh, I have no relationship with the show except for the fact that a very good friend of mine by the name of uh, Rob O'Connor sent me uh, uh, <laughs> some of the episodes to watch, and I watched them, and they. Yeah, it's 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 everything. How how do you describe Superboy, the TV series? I think if I had grown up with it at the time and watched it at the time, uh, I'd have probably a heavy uh, nostalgic connection to it. Um, the first season, it's rough. The acting is rough, especially by uh, the 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 Superboys themselves. There's two different actors who who play Superboy in season one, and then uh, another actor in the in the following seasons, um, Jared Christopher. Um, they're not great actors, and uh, it's it's. I don't know if it's like there there are things I like about it, but it it's not many to be honest. I love the the fact that they they basically wear like a variation of the Christopher Reeve suit. Um, other than that, yeah, it's 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 a hard watch. It's basically everything that I don't like about Lois and Clark times ten. Uh, <laughs> if that makes sense, um, they're short episodes. And look, to be fair, there are some episodes like you you recommended some episodes to me that I watched, um, and uh, like some of them I, I admired what they accomplished. Like there's that one, the roads not taken, where they you know he travels to another universe and stuff. I'm a, I'm a I, I love those kinds of episodes where they travel to through multiverses and stuff. Um, but yeah. overall, I, I don't I'm not a fan of it. Um, and I know like there 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 are huge fans of it and stuff. Um, and people who watched at the time loved it and 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 click the 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 merchandise and the props and stuff. Um, it, it didn't get much love in this part of the world anyway. I think it was on Sky in the UK for a while. I don't remember it ever airing in Ireland um, because I definitely would have heard about it I think if, if it had but yeah I, I, I always describe it as like it's the B movie version of Superman it's just I, I actually think that this is a weirdly it's a weirdly more grounded episode but like there, there are episodes like Bizarro from Superman comics like the, the most comic accurate version of Bizarro they've ever done is in the Superboy show like Metallo is a recurring character 
like Lex Luthor is in it a bunch. Like he's very much the Silver Age Lex Luthor. He's a he's a fugitive mad scientist. There, there are a lot of episodes of Superboy I really like, and mm-hmm. most of them involve Lex Luthor. One yeah. of them is called Mine Games, which was actually written by Sherman Howard, where Lex Luthor and Superboy are stuck in a mine. And um, like that actually has some of my favorite Lex Luthor moments in any medium. Like, the, the, there's a bit where Lex Luthor asks Superboy, like, you know, what what do you want out of life more than anything else? And Superboy's like, well, to compromise, you know, to be able to take a day off, yeah. you know, like to, to be able to just enjoy life and not have to worry about, you know, someone dying and me not being there to save them. And like, it's this really good exchange. But then Superboy asks Lex Luthor, who is obviously a much better actor, he asks him, you know, what about you? Like, what, what's your idea of the, the, the perfect day? And Lex just smiles and goes, to be king for a day. Yeah. And he just says it with such menace and such glee. And I'm just like, yeah, that's that's perfect. Like, that's absolutely great. And th- there's just little nuggets of brilliance like that in the Superboy show. So I would never just discount it fully. There's another episode called Know Thine Enemy, um, which goes into Lex Luthor's origin. And again, I've Sherman seen that. just fucking rules in it. I've it's, seen that. And it's, it's so basically good. Superboy kind of goes into his into Lex Luthor's mind almost and kind of relives his childhood memories. And, and uh, yeah, I, I have to say like that, like you recommended it to me there. I was actually sick. I actually thought I had COVID at the time um, last summer and I was self-isolating um, while I was waiting on my, my results. And because I was self-isolating, I was in a separate room in the house. I couldn't be around my wife and daughter at the time. And um, you had sent me some of these episodes and I, I was basically in bed. I watched five or six of them in, in a row. And I have to say, yeah, I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was very good. Yeah, I, I, I think that one is really strong. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into Superboy Lost now. Um, this is a this is a it's a really interesting episode. So obviously we start off very similar to the George Reeves show Um well, it's it's not that similar, actually. So we start off with a news broadcast, kind of just laying out all the exposition. And he's basically saying, look, there's an asteroid approaching Earth. And at nine o'clock this morning or something like that, Superboy flew off into space to stop the asteroid. Um, but some scientists fear that there could be unknown something or other in it and that, you know, we don't know what the asteroid is made up of. And then we get this absolute, like, I, I would actually say a great shot, a really nice wire shot of Superboy just flying up into the clouds. I have it. I have um, written here in my notes, a uh, great cloud shot. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and I love, I'm a real uh, wire work fanboy. I love to see practical actually, effects. That's something we haven't said, right? There's a lot of really, really awful, shitty special effects in Superboy. Yeah. Like the, the visual, anything they did with a computer was usually terrible. But the wire work in Superboy is on a par with the Christopher Reeve movies. Like, yeah. It's really, really good. It's it's better than Lois and Clark. Like, and I love Lois and Clark, but it, it is better. Like, yeah, it is. Really, There's really no, good. yeah, 100%. It is better. And like I said, I'm a huge wire work uh, nut. I love practical effects over digital effects. And they really, they, they knocked it out of the park when it came to the wire work in this show. Yeah, and the, the, it's it's this really cool thing where he like flies up and there's obviously like a smoke machine in front of him because it looks like he's flying up through into a cloud and it's a fully practical effect and it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and then we see him approaching the asteroid. That looks less amazing. Um, and same thing again. He flies into the asteroid and the asteroid blows up and then we get this really, really awful shot of him like just zooming up into the camera and the music kind of swells up and then we go to an ad break and then when we come back Superboy has landed in the, a, a Florida swamp by the looks of things. Yeah, so this is basically where it kind of diverges. It doesn't really follow the same 
storyline, like the premise is the same. He he crashes into an asteroid and he, he gets amnesia, but then the story completely diverges from the, the, the other the other versions. Yeah. yeah, but not in a. I'm not going to say not in a bad way, but you know, I, I I like to see that they did something different with it. Yeah. So basically, what happens is Superboy is discovered by this woman who lives in the woods with um her son, and she's been living there for uh, a couple of years, and uh, basically she she has this magic book that uh, helped her through all. She her son had the mumps and the measles in the woods, and she she used this book to to help her get him through it and she she says and i quote under amnesia it says your memory should return in a couple of days yeah i i saw that as well i was i was laughing just at that. like it, it is this just some sort of advanced neuroscience book that just knows everything like it's it's i don't know anyway <laughs> but, look um, at the end of the day they've got the running time of this episode is 21 minutes so you know they, yeah, it's, it's like so the George, short it's, it's so short. short and it is it is admirable what they accomplished again it's it's shorter than the george reeve uh, george reeves episode it's, it's very much short i think george reeves is like a full 30 minutes this it is, is like yeah. 22 minutes it's really really short so and like that, that's a common thing among superboy episodes is and they, fair play to them for what they managed to tell in that short time so you know if, if she has a magic medical book i'll forgive it yeah so um you know we have this nice little scene and it's, it's kind of a well-paced scene for the 21 minute runtime where Superboy is kind of, you know, talking to the kid and the kid is a little bit skeptical of him and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, he's talking to the the woman and he's like, you know, don't you miss civilization? And she's like, oh, well, what? Smog, you know, traffic. And he's like, well, forks, um, which is it, it's kind of cute. And like Jared yeah. Christopher, as as you said before, he, he is a bad actor. Like, you know, I, I don't think Dean Cain is a great actor, but he's an actor. Jared Christopher is a bad actor. He's just very but stiff. Like, he, he's very, very stiff. He's very stiff, but then sometimes he's just he, he overplays it and he doesn't have the ability. But anyway, in this scene, I think he actually is a little bit charming. So I'll give them that. I, I, I think whoever directed this episode actually did a decent job. Um, so we, we see outside there's a kind of a lanky, scary looking guy approaching this little woodland hut this woman has fashioned for herself. And Superboy hears this and he says, oh, do you hear something? And he goes outside and he sees this guy. And I, I can't remember, does, does he does he attack him straight away or, or what does yeah, he do? Yeah, he does, he does. And basically there's a bit of a scuffle in that and the guy r- runs off. He's he's trying to abduct the child, isn't he? He's, try, he's trying to... to... He's, try, he's trying to take the kid, yeah. yeah. And um, Superboy like grabs him and does he start throwing him up against a tree at one stage like yeah just slamming him up against the tree yeah there's 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 this kind of a, a scuffle there now because uh, i was thinking like if superboy threw someone into a, a tree that you know he would go like especially when he doesn't know how strong he is that he, he could feasibly put him through the tree and you know do serious damage but in this version he doesn't he basically roughs him up a little bit and, and the guy takes off and the guy takes off and yeah we, we, we cut back to the um the, the 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 this place where the the guy ends up in this house with uh this scary looking man who scolds him for not bringing his his son back so we find out we, we ascertain that this is the boy's son the the boy's father yeah and um you know he says oh you've disappointed me you're not one of us and then he cuts an x into the guy's forehead forehead yeah yeah 
and I'm assuming from this that this is some kind of cult commune. I don't know. Did you? Yeah, the the, the impression obviously the father is some kind of you know he's he's uh, it's domestic abuse and he's kind of uh, he was abusing the mother and abusing the child, and but it seems to be like that it's some kind of a gang or some kind of a maybe like a cult. I, I don't know if it was a cult as much as it was just some kind of um, of gang or, or gang or criminals there. And this guy is the is the leader of them. Um, I presumed the ex. I can't remember if we saw this character again who who had the ex in his forehead. So I presume the ex is kind of like an expulsion from the gang kind of a thing. Um, I, I wasn't too sure about it, but I, the, the, the way I took it was that it was it was basically just a gang. Yeah, I, I, I sort of assumed it was a cult just because the X felt like something that you do in a cult. And, you know, he said, you're not one of us. Yeah. You know, you often hear these cult leaders who have, you know, seven or eight wives and all this kind of stuff. And then they have children with and then one of them will escape. And it yeah. it, it felt it felt somewhat like and, and my girlfriend is big into all that sort of true crime and, and cults and, and all that sort of stuff. And she was telling me when we were watching the episode that, you know, there, there was this big uh, satanic panic in the late 80s where people were terrified of cults and satanic cults and stuff like that. So I was kind of like, yeah, I feel like maybe that's what they were going with. But the problem is the the little house that this man lives in, it just looks like it just looks like this. So Superboy was off shot in Florida and it just looks like this little house in florida <laughs> like yeah it doesn't it look does. like a it, it's not threatening know. at all it doesn't look like a commune or it's not exactly waco no. or anything like that like it's this kind of but um the the mother explains then that basically as well that i suppose we kind of go to that the mother explains that yeah she was very young when he kind of took her in and took care of her and then you know over time then he became abusive so that would kind of indicate that maybe it was more cultish all right yeah and then we we have this scene it's a really interesting scene where the the kid is is fishing for frogs or something and we see superboy use his x-ray vision to to sit to see a frog in the pond and i've i've written down in my notes that the um the the, the visual effects i mentioned before the wire work obviously in superboy is amazing yeah. but the actual visual effects where they have to use a computer to do something um it it they the, the visual effects in superboy look like when there'd be a dream sequence in say by the bell um it's it's those kind of just like just really desperately cheap like, yeah visual effect just that, that that sort of grainy like flickery vhs effect um and you y- you see this pond he's looking down at this pond and then they just sort of overlay this jpeg of a of a frog in front of it and it just looks like you can almost see the watermark on the on the image of the frog like it's just so horrible and terrible. And I was just I was on the edge of my seat because I thought Superboy was going to crush a frog. <laughs> I was like, yeah, That's... he he uses his super speed to like grab the frog, and he's like clutching onto it for dear life. And you're like, Jesus, that frog is just going to explode now. Yeah, that's that's what I thought was about to happen. I was like, whoa, um, but no, he didn't. Thank God. So so then the woman comes out, and he's like, oh, you know, like you know, remember Superboy has amnesia, and he's like, you know, that the, these clothes that I'm wearing and my eyes and I, I'm so strong and I, you know, I can do all these things and, you know, I, I just feel like there's a greater purpose for all this. And she says, eh, maybe your purpose is to be with us. And I just, I just instantly had this feeling of, Oh, maybe this is the version of Superman that Zack Snyder likes so much. In what way? J- j- just that he's this weird kind of like confused wandering 
journeyman just <laughs> unsure of his place in the world and he he's wearing this kind of like um scruffy looking vest and he's he's going up against these weird creepy villains and his whole character arc is oh well i probably shouldn't kill someone but maybe i should and 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 then you know the 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 only sort of moral guidance he has in the whole episode is this woman saying yeah you know maybe maybe don't be a hero maybe just be with us you know that kind of way like i kind of like a pseudo jonathan kent from man of steel is it i am I'm, I'm sure it's a total coincidence i just thought that was a, an interesting kind of um and and even the the vest he's wearing is kind of similar to what henry cavill wears at the start of man of steel my question about this is like i presume in this universe superboy is 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 he known all over the world at this point yeah like superboy in the show is is superman like he's okay so he's how, a worldwide uh, beloved whatever yeah so is the explanation of the mother and the son not recognizing not recognize him just that they've been living in the swamp for the last couple of years yeah and in fairness they do address that in the episode so okay. the, the the little boy does get kidnapped can't fully remember exactly what happened but he does get kidnapped and he ends up back in the cult commune yeah and um one of the gang members is reading the capital city gazette or whatever it's called the 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 newspaper from the show and and it says on the front of it like superboy missing or whatever and he says oh superboy's missing and the kid goes superboy and the the gang guy goes oh you really have been in the woods for too long kids you don't know who superboy is and he throws the paper at him and the kid looks at the paper and goes, oh, shit, that's this strange man that's been living with me and my mother for the last few days. And he puts it in his pocket. I, I actually thought that was kind of cool. Like, they, Yeah, fair play to them for addressing it in some way. Yeah, they, the, the bad guys turn up again and they somehow manage to take the kid and they stuff him in the car and Superboy starts running after them. The episode forgets in nearly every scene that Superboy has super speed, but that's fine. Um, but he starts running after them and he as he's off. running he sort of realizes that he can fly and he takes off and like credit where credit's due it's actually a really really cool wire work takeoff yeah it kind of reminded me of the pilot of uh, superman the animated series where clark as a teenager is running through the fields and he kind of jumps over a uh space a hole or a break in the in the ground or whatever and he kind of realizes that he can fly and he takes off it kind of it kind of reminded me of that so so superboy arrives at the evil cult commune whatever and uh picks up the evil dad and presses him against the wall a couple of times and uh, the, the dad most is knocked out the most paper thin walls that you can see oh, like it looks shit. like they're made out of toilet paper and cardboard it's i, I have a note of it here like he's he picks him up He's kind of ramming him against this wall, and the, like you can just see that it's about to fall down. Like it's 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 paper thin. Um, it's horrendous. You can see the walls actually like vibrating as he as he presses this actor against them. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's very cheap. It's very cheap. That's why I was like, it's it's kind of like a it kind of reminded me of a fan film. Um, but yeah, so like it's the production value there now is very very low. So the the evil dad falls unconscious. Um, and 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 in this moment, like even as a kid, I was like, okay, so. Is the dad dead? Like, is that what's just happened here? No, because I don't we, think we he saw killed the, him, did he? Well, we saw earlier in the episode where he was pushing the guy against the tree and the kid was like, oh, well, why did you stop? And he was like, oh, well, something something just told me to hold back. Yeah. But, but then now he's like pushing the dad in and the dad falls unconscious and it's almost like 
is his character arc just learning that he has to kill people sometimes? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I took from it that he didn't kill him. I, I just presumed he knocked him unconscious and surely they can't yeah. have Superboy going around killing <laughs> killing people in the swamp. Um, I, but... I, I forgot to mention, we see some really bad heat vision here and we see um, some bullets bouncing off him and they're just these little pings of just JPEGs just appearing on his, his chest. Yeah, um, yeah. Just these little sparks that just look really, really bad. And the the, the heat vision is if, if if you can imagine the Christopher Reeve heat vision, but just not good, that, that that's what the Superboy heat vision is. <laughs> that's a very apt description of it. Um and then the mother the mother gets the surprise of her life when he flies back with with, with, with the sun in his and, arms. And, and I have to I have to ask you, like when he picks up the sun, so he picks up the sun outside the cult commune. And he looks at them and they smile. And it's it's this really nice scene and the, both the actors are, are fine and, and he takes off and it's a lovely wire work takeoff. What do you notice about that scene? What what's just off putting to you about when he takes off? Oh, I didn't I didn't cop anything to be honest with you. It it just sounds like childish and fake and crap. And it, right. like the sound design across the board in Superboy is just really, really bad. And it just it's just this really kind of right okay yeah that's yeah that's not great uh, like little things like that you see that's where it, they let themselves down it's little things like that um you know that could be easily improved on i think um but but then as as you say he lands in front of the mum and it actually again it's a really impressive wire work landing beautiful shot um, yeah and, and he's like oh well you know I, I have all these god powers like none of those cult guys are gonna bother us again and uh the little boy is like mm, no like you have to go back. And he hands him the newspaper. And um, I, I actually kind of like this. Like he just sort of looks up at the sky and has this moment where he's kind of dazed. And they, the music, the heroic Superboy team swells up. It reminded me of um, it reminded me of Joey Tribbiani's smelling the fart acting. You know, that kind of. You... <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It absolutely does look like that. But yeah, his memory comes back. He kind of takes he he walks towards a tree and when he comes out the other side of the tree he's in full costume um cape and all and he kind of says goodbye and he flies back and he arrives back into lana lang and basically that's the end of the episode she she, because that's something we didn't touch on throughout the whole episode is intercut with segments of, of lana lang uh, just basically worrying that there's no sign of Superboy and worrying that he's he's dead. Unlike the previous uh, uh, versions and the version, the, the Lois and Clark version that follows, there's not an ongoing threat. I don't think of the asteroid. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's implied that the asteroid is destroyed at the start. Yeah, of the he 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 destroys it at the start. So basically, Super Superboy in theory is better than superman because he did what superman couldn't do <laughs> yeah. in the 1950s yeah. or the 1990s but uh yeah and he basically comes back lets lana know that he's fine and, and that's the end of the episode and look i well i i would actually say as well like that the, the very last scene lana is just despondent she's totally depressed her head is in her arms she's yeah. breaking down in tears and then the music swells up and you hear him fly in she turns around she sees him she's sm- like he's smiling at her and she just like breaks into tears. She's so just elated with happiness and the music swells up again. And like, I always remember that this music, it's like, dun, 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 It's just this really nice little piece of music 
that I always loved as a kid. And Stacey Hyduke, again, best actress in the show, like just completely sell. There's no words spoken in the scene. No. And, and I, I always like this. Yeah. She's she's definitely a highlight of it. The only other thing I know her from is uh, she was in Secrets DSV back in the 90s. Um, that's the only other thing that I know her from. But Which was the biggest competitor to Lois and Clark in the first season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she got her revenge eventually for the cancellation of Superboy. But um, yeah, no, it was, it's... Uh, she's she's a highlight of the, of the series and like i know i dumped on it when you asked me about my opinions on it, i did dump on it um and it would just like it, it, in the same way that someone who probably didn't grow up with lois and clark would dump on lois and clark for all its flaws but like there, there are good things with it there are great episodes in the series there are like the wire work is great i like the costume um yeah i like i think you should check it out like like i'd never tell someone not to check something out if they were a fan of superman like this is as much a, a version of Superman as 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 the George Reeves version or the the Lois and Clark version or you know the the Tyler Hicken version, um, it, yeah, the Smallville version. It's just, it's it's I don't know. It's 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 just a little bit one dimensional for me and a little bit. It, it's very inconsistent. I, I I completely agree. I I think it's a very very different show for a very very different audience. It didn't have the same lofty goals as Lois and Clark or George Reeves or even Smallville like I think all of those shows were going for cross-generational appeal yeah whereas this this is very much like this knows that it has a niche audience and that it only really needs to appeal to that niche audience yeah and I I think it never really settles on a tone it's it's very very strange and very very weird and very low budget throughout I think there's just little nuggets of charm there that are are worth if, if you're a Superman fan there it's it's kind of worth checking out for those like i i don't think it's a quote-unquote good television series but i think it's very very interesting and yeah and like as, as a, you said i'm glad it exists yeah it's it's 30 like this episode was released in 1990 i think it was december of 1990 so it's it's 31 years old this year you know and but unlike a lot of the lois and clark which i think some of it is a bit uh weak now looking back on it i i, I have a funny feeling that this was viewed as kind of weak at the time as well um yeah but look again it's available on ebay now the box set I don't own it's probably one of the only uh, Superman series where I don't own any of the, the DVD box sets yet they're pretty steep by the time pretty much all of them are for sale on eBay in the US so you have to pay kind of import duties and postage and stuff if you're living in Europe um, but they're all in kind of around the $30, $40 mark on eBay you can get the first I think it's a four series um, a four season series um, but they're readily available if you want to if you want to buy them on eBay or Amazon and stuff. You, you can get them. I don't know if if you are a fan, they're worth and and I think they probably will show up on one of the streaming services. They were on DC Universe for the longest time, and obviously that's gone now. But they will show up on HBO Max eventually. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. So that's basically we we might come back to other episodes of it in the future. I would kind of like to go over. Um, some of the the better episodes of the series, like um, Roads Not Taken, and uh, like that one you mentioned there, um, Mind Games and stuff. Like there are real yeah. gold nuggets in there, and yeah, I I definitely like to to go over those. Yeah, I think any of the ones that were written by uh, comic book writers, like there there are episodes written by Dennis O'Neill. There's yeah. episodes written by Carrie Bates and uh, J M Demadius. Like the, the, there's a, a a lot of comic book writers that wrote uh, for Superboy. That j- just like the George Reeves show and Smallville, and uh, even Superman and Lois now. Like Jeff Johns, I think is still involved in that. So 
like um that th- there was a big comic influence on superboy uh the show which is good um the the only superman show that didn't have any influence from comic book writers at all was the one we're about to talk about now which is lois and clark this is the one i'm um, most uh, excited to talk about as well to be honest yeah, so so this episode is called All Shook Up. It is a direct remake of Panic in the Sky. Do you know why it's called All Shook Up, Alan? I presume it's something to do with Elvis Presley, no? Yeah, so there is there is an Elvis song called All Shook Up. Uh, All Shook Up, hoo-hoo-hoo. Um, and I'm assuming that's why they called it that, because Perry White is such a big... Yeah, I uh, All Shook Up. I don't know why they didn't keep the same episode titles. Like... Like I wonder I, what I, I like that I like that they called it all shook up because it it ties into the fact that Perry's a big Elvis fan and it like all shook up does refer to what happens to Clark in the episode. Like, yeah, yeah, very true. Um, but this is what's your history with this episode? Do you remember watching it originally live at the time? I'm trying to remember. Do I remember watching it like as a? Ch- I feel like I do remember. I I definitely remember. So I I had kind of three distinct experiences with Lois and Clark I remember watching it as it was coming out like as a very very young child um I remember watching it on repeats when I was around kind of 13 or 14 and then I remember getting the DVDs so I think I definitely remember seeing this in the repeat and I feel like I do remember watching this as like a three or a four-year-old boy um if you can if you can possibly believe that yeah, I, I I definitely remember watching it live when it first aired here in Ireland, and it's always been one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of my favorites, yeah, big time. Yeah, it, it's a real great character um, piece on Clark, I think, and his relationship with Lois and his relationship uh, with his parents and stuff, and the differences between Clark as a man and Lex Luthor as a man. And yeah, I just think it's, I, I really like it. I, I, I think it's... Out of all the versions that they've done, I think that it is um, of this story. I, 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 this is my favorite one. Yeah, I, I would emphatically agree with that. It's definitely my favorite of any of the different versions. And um, I think I said at the start that I think the reason this sort of amnesia story is so timeless, even though it's it's kind of an odd story overall. Like the reason it's so timeless is it gives you that kind of snapshot of who Superman is and. Uh, not not necessarily why he's doing what he is, but just just who he is, and 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 what Lois and Clark does so brilliantly is it, it kind of gives you a snapshot of all the other characters as well, um, and you know the the adventures of Superman, the George Reeves one didn't really do that, but this kind of really checks in on all the characters instead of just Clark, um, which I really really like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, so this was what season one, I think, isn't it? It's season, season one. one. Yeah. yeah. Season and one. it's it's um, episode 12 of season one. It aired in January uh, on January 2nd, 1994. I presume that's just in the States. I don't know when it aired here in, in Europe. Yeah, it was probably it was probably February or March by the time we got this one. But um, in terms of the episode itself, I mean, it, it it is my favorite, but it had the most kind of. It had everything going for it, really. Like it had a 40, 45, 44 minute runtime. So it had a, a, there's a lot more yeah, space really to breathes. tell around a story here. Like there's, there's, they're not as constricted by the 22 minutes that Superboy had. They're not as constricted by the 30 minutes that George Reeves had. Um, and you can really 
see that because there's a lot of really nice character moments throughout the whole episode yeah so so let's let, let's get into the the beat by beat so we we open up on this lovely shot of the daily planet um there's this nice little bit of music and it's it's just kind of like you know welcome to another day at you know in metropolis and we see Lois and Clark uh, stop outside this uh, coffee vendor guy. And I, I absolutely love this scene. It's so whimsical and silly, but it's um, Lois and Clark doing their coffee orders. And yeah. the, the, the guy at the coffee vendor thing, he already knows what their orders are. And he like he sees them approaching and he's like, he sees Lois and he's like, short, non-fat mocha decaf, no foam, no sugar, no whip. And he hands it to Lois and she's like, okay. And then he sees Clark and he's like, grande latte, full calf, whole milk, <laughs> three sugars. And it's a nice bit of continuity from the pilot episode when Lois opens up his fridge and it's just full of crap in the fridge. You know, that Clark yeah, doesn't he, need to worry about his diet. So he just eats whatever he wants. He can just eat whatever he wants. And, and she's like, oh, still still on that health kick, I see. And he's like, life is short, Lois. Order what you want. And she's like, life is long, Clark, and you are what you eat. <laughs> I just love Very that good. One. It's such great chemistry. It's it's everything I love about those two characters in a brief little scene. That little, like, you can feel it. You can feel their attraction to each other. You can feel the chemistry between them. Uh, I Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great opener. It had me smiling. And it's, you know, you can look back at it now and think, you know, that's a little bit trite. But I, I just in the 90s, that 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 probably felt like really, really sharp dialogue. I think. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah. So um, then the, there's similar to the 50s episode that the city is kind of shrouded in a big dark cloud. And um, I, I, for some reason, a car comes careening out of control. I was going to ask you this. Can Did you understand why? Was it just coincidence that this car was out of control? I, I don't understand what this had to do with the asteroid. I, f- I feel like maybe in the original script, it was that the driver was dazzled by the light from the asteroid. The the Right. And and that maybe the, the light was followed by the shadow. And it was, but, but maybe something was missing in the translation from the script to the screen. But I, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's always a bit convi- like it's never entirely clear. A car comes careening out of control. Car Clark runs in front of the the car and gets knocked over, and then the 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 shadow disappears. And Lois is like, "Oh my God, Clark!" and and he pretends like he's hit his head, and this yeah. this, this this gives him an excuse. This is a very convenient. Uh, <laughs> excuse for what happens later on so then i just have to i just have to say like it goes into lois just before that um prologue scene ends and you know there's this kind of context to it that they've just finished up this excellent story and the clark is kind of happy with himself but lois is kind of saying that perry basically just thinks you're as good as whatever you've done that day and this is their new story now and they're going off and then it just goes into the it goes into the intro the, the, the lois and clark intro and every time it goes into the Lois and Clark intro. I'm just 12 years, 12 years of age again, excited on a Thursday night watching this program. It just it always makes me smile. Yeah, it's 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 such a, an exceptionally good intro. And, you know, the music, Jay Gruska's Superman theme, I think is really, really strong. And when people say that, you know, John Williams Superman theme is is the Superman theme, I always think, yeah, but, you know, I also really, really like this one. And yeah. You know that kind of way, like, and it's just it just really, really gets you pumped, and they, they introduce all the actors, and and then at the end, like, just as a 
as the music is kind of doing its crescendo, like you see, uh, and John Shea as Lex Luthor, and he blows a big plume of cigar smoke into the camera, and I'm just like, it's yeah. so good. It's yeah, really, it's really so good. good. And then the 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 intro music ends with like Superman flying into the newsroom with Lois, and the cape just takes over the screen. It's it's absolutely glorious. I love it. Yeah, it is. I love it, and I, like I understand that people who didn't maybe, maybe grow up with it at the time or whatever don't see it the way we do. But ah, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. I just I just it's it's just a magical. I, I I just love this show, and I like I like I say all the time. I know it has faults. I know there's issues with it. I know it has a decline in the third season. But as soon as I see that intro, as soon as I'm there, I'm just in the episode and I can't wait. And I just remember what it was like being so excited to see a brand new episode um, when it aired here back in the day. But um, so, yeah, basically we go in and we're at um, the, the Griffith Observatory. I presume it's the same observatory from the George Reeve show, is it? I I believe it is. Like the, the Griffith Observatory is used in a lot of stuff. Like it's used yeah. in like anything that's shot in L.A. has probably done something in Griffith Observatory. But like I was looking yeah. at Panic at the Sky today and I was like, it does look slightly different from the outside. Now, maybe they built, I mean, obviously there's, you know, 40 years in the 40 difference. 40 years yeah. in the difference. So maybe they built around it, but it, it does look slightly different in this episode. So I'm not 100% sure that it was definitely Griffith Observatory in the original one. But I, I feel like it, it was, like it must have been, like... Why wouldn't you use it? It was it was there, you know. Um, so yeah, they're they're there, and there's a there's a whole bunch of yeah, other yeah. reporters there, and they do this cool thing where they're all running to the payphones at the same time to call the story in. But I have this note where it's like, surely in 1993, you know, professional reporters like some of them would have had cell phones. Like in 1993, like. It feels a bit dated, even for them, that they're all running to the payphone. I don't know if you picked up on it, but I love the point where Lois is kind of instructs Clark to take one of the other journalists out. And Clark makes the point. He's like, we work for a newspaper, Lois. All the TV people are going to get their story out before us, no matter what yeah, time no matter we call what it we in. Yeah no matter what we do and she's still she still kind of pushes him into this guy to knock him over and <laughs> it's just lois lane in a nutshell totally and do you know what like i i work in media and you know you'll try and tell you'll try and give people that logic and that they will retort with stuff like that you know it's, it's yeah totally true to life but the, the, what bothered me about this was i like i know they were kind of going for a bit of a timeless vibe especially in this first season of lois and clark yeah I was kind of like, yeah, no, some of them would have cell phones. Like, I, I don't I don't really buy that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, she calls in the story and then this kind of kooky looking professor guy who looks very similar to the professor in Panic in the Sky. He does. He does, to be fair. He does. Yeah. He approaches Clark and he's like, oh, you know, can you contact Superman? Because you are Superman. Like, well, you know, and Clark's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll contact Superman. But yeah, so basically Superman is very kind of a similar scene to the George Reeves um, episode where, but a little bit of a twist on it. Uh, Superman arrives at the Griffith Observ Observatory that night and speaks with the professor. And there's this little kind of a thing where on the like George Reeves Superman, uh, Dean Kane says that he has limitations when it comes to his telescopic vision and that he uh, needs the, 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 to use the observatory basically to see the asteroid properly, which is completely see, different to the George Reeves version. I, I really liked this. Um, and I know you were talking earlier on about how in the George Reeves version, they say, oh yeah, well, there could be kryptonite and there could be all these other unknown elements. And all. Whereas in this version, they're just like, well, it's just a big fucking asteroid and yeah you know like they're just saying you know that there are physical things that can kill superman and he has his limits and i i i much prefer 
this version of it in that sense where they're just kind of like they, they don't need to explain that you know there's kryptonite in it they, they just say well it's a big asteroid like that's that's yeah. enough so i really like that and I, I like that superman isn't able to just gaze at it from outside griffith observatory he has to look yeah i and i i'm like that i don't like when superman is overly powered i like when there's some kind of limitations now i know that that's not always consistent um about what he can do and what he can't do but um even i I like that as well (laughs) even in this show believe it or not yeah even in this show but um yeah so basically the 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 professor explains to superman that this asteroid is on a collision course with earth and there's a military guy or a guy from the government and a military guy who, who kind of come up out from the shadows uh, after Superman spots them. And they basically say that, you know, the president wanted to get Superman on board before he announced it to the public because he knew there was going to be a panic. Um, and then we suit Superman up to go into space. I, I have oh. a, 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 two notes I want to just address here. First of all, um, bad Superman acting. I, I don't think Dean Kane had fully figured out um his Superman performance by this point there, the there's yeah, there's a part in that scene where he kind of speaks to himself, where he kind of says something along the lines of, Well, I guess we're about to find out what my limitations are. I, I, I don't and mind it's, that. It's there, there's a bit where he says, Fascinating what mysteries the universe has, or something like that. I'm just like, Oh, it's just yeah, like Dean Kane has openly admitted that his well, like when he's wearing the Superman costume, he's doing an impression of Super, uh, Christopher Reeve, and that's fine. Like he he's just like Christopher Reeve is the best Superman, and when I was yeah in the costume, I've, I was I've, playing Christopher I've, Reeve. But what, what, I think in the first season, he just hasn't fully figured out how to do that yet. I, but the thing, yeah, because the thing about it is, I've never seen Dean Kane Superman and thought, oh yeah, that's it's like Christopher Reeves Superman. There's, it's it, look, no offense to Dean Kane, but it's it's not in the same league. Well, I th- I think what I love about, like what I love about Dean Kane and what I love about his limitations as an actor is the whole idea of his version of Superman is it's it's a disguise, it's a character yeah. that he made up, it's a character yeah. that this boy from Kansas made up in his head so of course it would seem a little bit stiff and a little bit unconvincing and a little bit like like a pretend character you know that kind of way whereas christopher is supposed to be this you know all all knowing all you know all consuming god whereas yeah dean kane is is playing a character and that comes across and i actually really like that a bit is that's that's you know what I, i've never actually thought of it that way um rob that's that's an excellent point that's an excellent point of view on that i've never actually considered it that way before um that's, that's really, I, I think everybody I like always that. says oh well you know I, I love his clark kent but i don't like a superman i was like yeah but that that's i maybe i'm giving the show that's too much credit point. but i think that's kind of the point is that he's not I supposed think, to be like i think you're i think you're absolutely giving the show too much credit but i think that it's a very valid in-world explanation yeah. for the way that that the character is portrayed. That makes it. I love those kind of fan theories or those kind of uh, perspectives on things um, that make sense, and that makes perfect sense to me. And I've never, I've never thought of it like that before. So that's that's yeah, I, I really like that that um, that outlook on it. And and for anyone who doesn't know, like the the, the like arguably the most iconic moment of. Lois and Clark is there's a season there's a scene in Tempest Fugitive which many people think is the best episode where Clark has this moment where Lois has just figured out that he is Superman and it's kind of a it's a one-off episode where she finds out that he is Superman but forgets by the end of the episode because that's what we did in the 90s but 
you know, she, she's like, oh, well, you know, what do you care? You're Superman or something like that. And he's like, no, I'm Clark. Clark is who I am. Superman is what I do. It's what I can do. Yeah. It's a great line. Every other version of Superman, it tends to be that he actually is Superman and Clark is a disguise that he made up and, you know, that kind of way. So that's that. that's what's really interesting and sets the show apart is that Clark is the real guy. And it, it's kind of. Yeah. So anyway, um, we get back to the Daily Planet and Perry is like assigning the story to everybody and saying oh the, you know this is a big one um and yeah we, we go back to superman is about to head off into space all the reporters are there lois lane gets special treatment f- for some reason and you know he's talking to her and you know he's like oh don't worry about it it's gonna work and it's it's all gonna be fine and she's like oh you know it I hope so, or whatever. And th- then she like kisses him in front of everybody. And she t- like, he touches the he touches the side of her face in a way that like, you know, like if you like, I know there's meant to be a kind of a sexual love tension or whatever, but like if you were friends with someone or you, you kind of worked with someone or whatever, it's very, you know, it's 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 definitely crosses the line the way he kind of touches her face, and then she yeah. blows the line out of the water by she she kisses him in front of everybody. Um, which I was thinking at the time was like, wow, that really paints a target on our back. If anybody's ever totally. trying to get at Superman, you know what I mean? Like all these um, TV cameras are everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but then the part that I loved the most about this little scene is his communications link oh, yeah. slash oxygen tank that they put on him that he is going to, like he explains here that he is going to fly out into space through the Earth's atmosphere and he's going to collide or fly straight into an asteroid that is apparently going to cause, what did he say, something like a 50 megaton megaton explosion. And this thing looks like (laughs) it's about to fall off his clip. It's basically like two little cylinders, two deodorant cans strapped onto his belt with this kind of like a, a USB Bluetooth thing in his ear. It is shocking it, bad it, it, it looks like <laughs> it looks like a headset telephone like like a it does, it's awful attached to a, a telephone when you're working in it like a one of those shady companies that sells diet pills <laughs> like and then like he, i'd imagine he i'd he imagine if oxygen t- mask and it looks like it's connected to an iv bag as if you're in it does it's awful it's awful it, it's and i was just thinking i was thinking when i was watching i was like if tyler hicklin like if their version does a version of this story i could imagine them putting him in some kind of like a superman suit kind of like the one that um uh superman wore in the the animated series yeah, when he series, went out yeah. into space um but yeah this was it was they, they would have been better off not putting anything on him to be honest what what, what i will say though is what I kind of like about this, again, going back to the thing I was saying before about how like they established that he has limits. The reason they put all this uh, breathing apparatus on him is that they established that he can only hold his breath for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, w- w- which I thought was like a really cool way of like actually explaining that, like, you know, he, he can't just go to space and that's fine. Like he can't just breathe in space. He has to. Yeah. There are limits to what he can do. And that, like that, that by putting on this apparatus, they explain that. Even though it looks really terrible, um, it does. It looks awful. So, th- so then he takes off, and it's you know it's awful. just a, it's a really really bad takeoff effect. There's I've, I've written down here bad takeoff, and you know yeah, do, it's we, not wire work. It's kind of how would you describe it? It's it's you know more about the effects than me, but it's it's it looks I, cheap as chips. It looks like it's sort of like in Superman three and four where they had this like cardboard cutout of Christopher Reeve just like whooshing up in front of the screen. It just looks really. I I, I don't know that exact term for this effect but it looks awful and, yeah, and it kind of looks it's like particularly egregious because we just watched the superboy episode when you go from that to this you're just like 
Well, of course you'd be annoyed. Like if you were a fan of Superboy and then you watch Lois and Clark, you'd be like, "Well, what the fuck is this?" <laughs> like, yeah, it it kind of this takeoff. It kind of reminded me of that episode of The Simpsons where with Poochie and Poochie gets taken up by aliens yeah. or whatever, and he's just kind of like boop 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 boop. And I he's have gone. to go now. My planet needs me. Yeah, it's a real <laughs> and and like I have to stress again, Lois and Clark special effects get so much better in the second season. They do. Yeah. In this do. first season, they're just really really bad, and it's just awful. So he he sort of Poochie's off into space and then suddenly we're in space and we see this shot of him approaching the asteroid and like Dean Kane looks like he's been covered in bleach because it just doesn't match the the space behind him the the color of his face is just completely wrong but anyway he flies into the asteroid and it, in fairness it's very similar to the superboy episode he flies into it and then he just gets knocked back yeah then I think we get into the really business end of the episode. It gets really, really good. Then we we see this big, yeah. m- massive crater, which is really, really cool. There's this huge flaming crater that he's landed in. His suit is destroyed. Like we instantly know that he doesn't know who he is because this sort of homeless man who has all these sunglasses hanging out of him goes, "Hey, what are you doing down there?" And he's like, "I, I, I, I don't know." And he's like, "Well, what do you mean you don't know?" And and, and they have this conversation. And eventually the, the man is like, well, why don't you come down to the shelter? Like they're about to serve some food. And I, I know, Alan, you love this bit. He's like, here, put these on. You won't look You won't look so dumb. And he hands him a yeah. pair of glasses. Look, that's all I need. I just need something. Give me something to explain it. That's all I need. I don't care how thin it is. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. It's, it's utterly contrived, but absolutely, I'll tell absolutely. you. Um, absolutely. So if, if I'm not mistaken, we, we then cut to um, a scene where Clark is in the police station. Lois has been summoned there by Inspector Henderson, who is played by our old friend Richard Belzer, uh, John Munch from about a, a billion police procedural shows. I love him. I just, I just wish he was in more episodes. I wish he had, they had kept him on. I wish every time that they had a Metropolis PD cop that it was this guy. I love him in Lois and Clark. I, I, I cannot agree more. And it it's I, I, I think the problem is that he was just really famous and he was on a bunch yeah. of shows and like they never would have been able to afford him. And they had so many like stunt casting guest stars throughout the show that they. Am, they, am I right in thinking that he was actually a cop in the 90s flash as well? Or am I imagining that he played a talk show host called Joe Klein on the 90s flash? And ah, I knew he was in it somewhere. Yeah, he, he was like this really kind of kind of like a like a Robocop type newscaster type right thing. and he's in a bunch of episodes but yeah so he's he's inspector henderson in this he's in i feel like it's like three or four episodes it's not that many episodes but in this episode he has he has my favorite line of the whole episode where the the shrink the the police department shrink is explaining to lois and um, what's happened to clark uh, lois explains that he he has bumped his head in a in a car accident the doctor's like oh that could explain it you know in 90 percent of cases he, he gets his memory back in a couple of days um, you just have to be patient with them. To which Henderson replies, I don't know, Doc, that's asking a lot. <laughs> and I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, just the delivery of it, the way it was done, you really, and she kind of rolls her eyes in this real kind of, you know, uh, I hate you kind of a, a, a grimace on her face. And I just, I thought that was brilliant. I thought the chemistry there was right on point. I really thought that was funny. So immediately after that, Alan, we cut to a man cutting a bonsai tree what man is that robert you begin to take it for granted you you assume (laughs) that every day the sun will rise in the east and set in the west 
You assume that every night the moon will be there for your inspiration. You assume that spring will follow winter. I shall use this moment as a constant reminder for the future. Assume nothing. As, as, as Lex himself would say, brava, brava. <laughs> I absolutely adore John Shea in this show. God damn it. As damn. soon as he came on the screen in this episode, as soon as he started speaking, I was just, I was, I was almost sitting there with my two hands up under my chin watching him because it's, he's just so, so good. He's, he's, every time I, I, I see him, I'm reminded straight away of why he's my favorite Dex Luthor. Yeah. Um, he is brilliant. I'm, pre- I'm pretty um, sure, like, since we last recorded, <laughs> like, I've changed my mind about who my favorite Lex Luthor is. And, yeah, it's it's got to be John Shea. Like, he's just the best ever. It, like. Yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I can't. There's, there's, I think he'll always be my favorite. I just, I love his version of this character. I love everything about him. And I love these little sequences that he has where he's talking to one of his servants, one of his staff members, and they're having the, these little conversations about his his philosophy on life or his outlook on life. And I, I it's, it's just superb, absolutely superb. And John Shea just sells it so well. Like, yeah, he's he's basically kind of this kind of Gordon Gecko type character. John Shea just really brings a depth to him. And, you know, he's, he's, he is just on a different level to everybody else. I'm going to get sacrilegious again, Alan. Like everybody talks about Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum's very charming and he's a lovely actor and he's great. But John Shea is better than Michael Rosenbaum. Like just there's no question about it in my mind. Like he's just a vastly better actor. He's he's a, he's you know, he's a Juilliard trained Shakespearean stage actor. Like it's just it's just a different yeah. level altogether. Yeah, I, I agree that I, I really like Michael Rosenbaum's portrayal of, yeah, so of the character. I. Yeah. But John Shea is like I really just think he's he's different he's different level like I I, I think the, the 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 sad reality is that the reason so many people don't realize how good John Shea is is that they see that big beautiful head of hair that he has and they just they say no yeah they just yeah. They, they stop there and they don't uh, they don't give it any more time but anyway um so Lex says to his one of his many yes men in this series he's like. Uh, make sure Lois Lane has all the comforts of home or something like that. And we, we don't fully understand what he means by that. But uh, Asabi, his associate, is like, oh, very well, sir. And he walks off. So we, we cut back to Lois and Clark and they're back in Clark's apartment. And this is the only part of the episode that I specifically don't like for one specific reason. Is Clark goes up to a football and kind of smells the football. And Lois is like, oh, you well, you played in college. And uh, I just... I just don't really like the idea that Clark plays sports ever. To be honest, I don't know about you. Yeah, in this in this version of of, of Clark, like it's it's referenced regularly. Like sports is very heavy when it comes to Clark's character. There's there's so many episodes where he's playing baseball or he's playing basketball or he's oh, you know true, like yeah. he, he's a sports nut. Like they don't hide that. I I don't like that either. I don't think that Clark Kent would put other people in jeopardy. Um, you know, very much like what happened in Secret Origin, the book when we reviewed that book, and you know he injured Pete Ross in that. I don't think that Clark would would take the chance of of putting people in in danger like that or, or risking people's lives so that he could play sport. Um, and even the fact that it's cheating, basically, you know, like yeah. Clark Kent playing football is cheating, and I don't think that's something that Clark Kent would do. So I I, I completely agree with you there that every like every time it's mentioned that I, it just doesn't it doesn't line up with the, the, the Clark Kent that that I know. It's something that they decided. I think it was brought into the 
the post-crisis version, the John Byrne version of the character. Yeah, I think, it, 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 yeah, and they just took it from that. And I, I think, you know, the fact that Dean had a, a history with, uh, he played college football himself. And I, I'd say that kind of played into it, bringing something of his own life to the character and that. But no, I, uh, I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I, I, f- I feel like it's one of those things that just nobody really thought through fully. And yeah. w- once somebody did, which I feel like was probably when they made the Smallville show, which I think handled it really well in the initial seasons, at least, that, you know, Clark shouldn't be doing this. As you said, like it, he's putting other people in danger like and, and he has an unfair yeah. advantage. Like they, they explore that really, really well in that first season of Smallville. And I think that might have been where they kind of realized, well, actually, there's... You know, he shouldn't just be a sports star. And if he yeah. was a sports star, like, why is he not playing? You know, I feel like there's a whole untold story there that, you know, that they could do a flashback episode of Lois and Clark on where yeah. Clark decided, OK, well, actually, I shouldn't be doing this and I need to stop now. Anyway, yeah, um, I agree with that. We get so obviously the asteroid is still approaching and everybody's still worried. And there's sort of this. For the rest of the episode, there's a sense of overwhelming dread from all the other characters. Yeah. That and it's done well. It's done well. Yeah, I, th- I think we forgot to mention that Perry and Jimmy have now discovered that Superman crash landed on Earth. Yeah, and I like that. I like that they have these little scenes with Perry and Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy has basically gone to Perry, going, "Look, it's the end of the world. Give me my yeah. shot at at doing something." Oh, you know, such you've a good scene. you've covered you've covered wars. You've 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 led your life. This could be it. You have nothing to lose by letting me, you know try and see if I have what it takes to be a reporter and Perry goes okay let's you know it's thin but we'll do it and they, they travel Jimmy's heard reports of of the the something a falling star that hitting landing in metropolis and some brief explanation that they they've basically um, found the location of it and they find a piece of Superman's uh, torn up the S from his suit. I love and, that. Um, and, and there's and a lovely kind of a, yeah, there's a lovely kind of a scene there where they kind of, it's real, like you can hear this kind of, the, the Superman team kind of plays a little bit when they, they discover the piece of uniform and they look at the sign, they can see the hole through the sign. They're like, you know, where is he now? You know, we have to find him. He made it back. But where is he? And it's 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 really well done. Yeah. But what I love what I love about that scene is they look up at the billboard and it's a it's a train and it says faster than a speeding bullet. Oh, I, I didn't actually notice that. I didn't know, notice that. But that's great. And but it, it, it kind of made me want a Perry and Jimmy show, <laughs> or at least more scenes of them doing this kind of thing. You know, I know it's a bit. Alan, but uh, Alan, don't even get me started. I like I've, <laughs> I have so many dreams of like a Lane Smith spinoff where it's him and Jimmy and they're having adventures and Lois and Clark are nowhere to be seen. Like I, I would, I would absolutely love to see a show like that. And and yeah. I've written, I've written down here, Michael Landis's chemistry with Lane Smith. It's just so much, just vastly more impressive than the relationship Perry had with Jimmy in the subsequent seasons where he played by Justin Whalen. It's kind of an afterthought in the subsequent seasons. But in this season, like there's such a tangible father son relationship here that where that they're just talking to each other and you're like, yes, like this is the father this boy never had. And this is, you know, that this man has failed in his relationships with all of his sons and this is his second chance. And they, 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 there's just palpable chemistry in every scene they have and it isn't there in the other seasons at all. Anyway, 
I, yeah, I, and it's, I love it, it, Michael it, Landis in this episode. Yeah, and it's really like it's really highlighted in this episode. There's a lovely scene we'll talk about in a couple of minutes uh, later on as well with, with the two of them talking in Perry's office, and um, it's a lovely scene. They're, they're, it's it's great chemistry between the two of them. So he he basically comes in and he's like they're talking about the the whole thing, and he's basically like, oh, I'll, I'll write up my notes, um, obviously for someone else to write the story. And Perry's like, well, look, why don't you just write it up yourself? And Jimmy's like, what? The, the actual story and Perry's like yeah why not and he takes out this old typewriter that some famous reporter Cleet, that was working at Cleet the- Johnson Cleet Johnson carried it all over the, the world writing for this paper yeah and he he gifted it to Perry who wrote his first story on it and now Perry was giving it to Jimmy to write his first story on it and like it almost brought a tear to my eye to be honest with you it's it's just it's it's lovely then we get this weird scene with Cat Grant where she's um saying confession to a priest and then she tries to have sex with the priest which is kind of strange she kind of says something to him like you know isn't there something that you wanted to you wanted to do or that you've never tried and next thing the priest just runs away out of the confessional it's it's kind of strange i think he closes the 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 uh divider or thing thing when you're in a confession there's a little divider thing and he closes it. it it it's a strange scene the two things i'd say about this scene is um i think it's completely out of place I also yeah. think it, it's like one of the best Cat Grant scenes of the whole show. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it kind of proves just that, unfortunately, you know, as much as I like Cat Grant in the show, I, I don't think she had any place being a main kind of cast member of the show. She should have just been like a recurring character that shows up every now and then. Yeah, she didn't really have anything to do, to be honest, even from the from the very early episodes, her, her shtick kind of got. And I like um, Tracy Scoggins, who, who played I Cat Grant. Tracy um, yeah. She did a great job. Uh, but yeah, they, they didn't really have, she had nothing to do, really. Like she was basically a, a one-dimensional, one-tone character. Um, you know, it was kind of like she was a horny gossip columnist. Uh, and that was it, like, you know. Um, um, we're watching uh, Sex in the City at the moment, and uh, she, she's basically like a proto- prototype samantha jones from sex in the city yeah and like that that's great like i by all means put a character like that in the show but just having her be in every episode just you know that there's no place for her in every episode like no have, i would have, have liked from time to time great but like every episode is just it's not gonna work and she does have i'm not too familiar with her character in the comics but i know she has a story arc where her son uh, passes away and stuff and she struggles with that but I would have the only thing I'll say about the the Cat Grant of Lois and Clark is I really would have liked them to have given her a final episode or a, a story where she had left I, I hate I hated the way that they this series just dropped characters just never come, these people just never come back and uh, I, I just think it's 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 lazy you know I mean it, it stops people from getting invested in characters if that's and they do it over and over and over again um, but I, I, like even a mention at the beginning of season two that she had moved to another city or something but I, I, I think it's pretty disrespectful to just drop the character and pretend she never existed 90s baby yeah I, I think we get the Lex scene here now where Lex shows Lois that he has built a, a recreation of her apartment in this underground bunker that he's created, which I just think and he's amazing. wearing he's wearing the most ninety suit I've ever seen. He I, I don't know if you if you notice it. He's got this kind of these real baggy pants that are like they look like they're three sizes too big for him, and then the suit comes down. All the suit jacket almost comes down to his knees. Um, so I, I was laughing at that because we're at the stage now where the nineties suits are really you can tell you know it's yeah. it's that fashion has moved on. But so, yeah, this was a nice little scene as well. 
Yeah, and I, I, I just love the idea that um, Lex Luthor has created this bunker underground to to live in during this uh, like incoming apocalypse. And uh, like, if going back to the first episode of the show where Lex says, you know, uh, I must admit that I love that. Um, you know, everyone in the city needs to look up in order to see me because he's living in the tallest building in Metropolis. But yeah. now, you know, in order to stay alive, he's scurrying underground like a cockroach in a nuclear war. That's a, that's a great contrast. That's a great contrast. And it's it's, a, it's a, a good insight into Lois's character as well, because, you know, he offers her basically a chance at life, a chance yeah. at now there are conditions attached. She asks what what yeah, what's in it for him. And he basically says that, you know, companionship. And he says it in that kind of way that, you know, he's not hiding what he's saying. Um but you get a real good insight into into Lois's character here where very quickly Lex leaves the room to let her think about it and she comes out and she's like, you know, no, I, I, I'm, I'm a reporter and if the end of the world is coming, I have to be there to see it. And, you know, that's, I can't, I can't scurry away basically. Um, I have to, I have to be a part of whatever is about to happen, um, which, you know, which is, uh, um, it's 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 a nice trait. It's 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 applaudable. Uh, yeah, no, v- very good low scene, very good Lex scene, um, and then obviously, so Clark has reconnected with his parents. I love this scene now. So there's this back and forth where they're trying to explain that no, sorry, son, you are Superman, and he's like, well, no, how do I even know you're my parents? Blah blah blah. Like maybe this is all a big trick. And Jonathan, yeah. one of my favorite Jonathan Kent moments in the whole series, he picks up a baseball bat and he just goes, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. And he just batters him with a baseball bat. And is it just me or it like, I know he's an actor, but it actually looked like it really hurt. He smacks the baseball bat, the baseball bat smack, it breaks in half. And the the shock of hitting this like incredibly dense Kryptonian man just causes yeah. him to like vibrate a little bit afterwards. Yeah. And this grimace of uh, this look of, of just pain or discomfort on his face. It's very well done. And I really liked, there's a brief scene before that where you see Jonathan and Martha arrive in Metropolis and the city's in chaos. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, Martha turns to Jonathan. She's like, well, we'll just walk. It'll only take a couple of hours. And John's like, you can't be serious. A couple of hours. Yeah. And uh, he, she, he, he, Jonathan goes, you can't be serious. And Martha turns, she goes, my boy is missing. Or, or my boy needs me or something like that. You, you better believe I'm serious. And she walks out and you just really believe it. Like she's a mother who needs to get to her son and needs to get to him now. And I I, I loved that little, just that little snippet of, of Martha's character and, and her her determination to, to help her son. Yeah. And like across the board throughout this entire show, like every time Kay Callan shows up as Martha Kent, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Like yeah. every, every time you see her, and you see the love that she has for this this boy and you get such an insight into her character like you hear that martha and jonathan march for civil rights and like she's a little bit quirky she thinks outside the box she's an artist she does all this sort of weird uh modern art installations and stuff like that and like you just get a real sense that you know if this woman was your mother you could be superman and you know yeah. and 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 again like i i often mention my my problems with modern versions of superman I, I i think a big thing that warner brothers has is that they just don't fully believe that someone could be that good but anytime i see kay callan i'm like no if this woman was your mother you would be that good 
and that's yeah 100 percent. and i just believe it and it's and like my girlfriend's watching it with me at the moment and every time the kents are on screen that those are her favorite scenes because she's just like you know th- this is great like why does superman not have parents in all these other versions like when they are on screen it makes sense you know not only that but it gives him someone to bounce off of it yeah. gives him someone to talk to about his problems and the issues that he's having. I hate when people find out that he's that he's Superman. I hate that um, in, in the CW shows that everybody basically knows that, you know, Barry Allen's the Flash and there's 15 people who know the secret. I love that the a secret identity aspect of these characters. And I love that in Lois and Clark, it, it carries such weight. Um, but yet it gives him that outlet to bounce things off of, to go to someone with their with with his problems and to talk to them and get their wisdom and get their advice. Uh, and I love that about the Kent. And like it's like we said before, Rob, and we've said it over and over again. The casting is what made this show. I don't care about it. Like if they got if the, everything else was 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 different, as long as they kept these actors, they have something. Um, it's just it's fantastic casting. Yeah, and I I always think as well like. If you can make me believe in characters, I'll forgive everything else. Like I'll forgive bad special effects. I'll forgive yeah. like wonky writing and, you know, weird, goofy tonal imbalances and all that. Like if you can make me believe in the characters, like if you can make me fall yeah. in love with the characters, then I'm yours. And that's Absolutely. what Lois and Clark did. Like everything else I'll forgive. The bad special effects. There's lots of bad writing in Lois and Clark. There's lots of yeah. weird tonal imbalances and goofy villains and all that. But like you, they, they made me believe in the characters for four years. And yeah, that, that's why it's my favorite version of Superman. Whereas there's other versions so, of Superman where that has great special effects and great everything else. But I, I don't believe in the characters. So... 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. So we get uh, this funny little scene then where um, Jimmy and basically gets a second shot and brings Clark to see a psychic. Oh, um, to yeah. uh, He says that the suit, the, the segment of the suit is uh, admitting cosmic rays, which means it's been in space. And he hands it to the to the psychic and she does her thing. And next thing she jumps up because, you know, the, the joke is that He's here. He's in the room. Um, and obviously Clark's in the room with them. So she's clearly an actual psychic. Um, but yeah, so that's just, it's kind of a throwaway scene. They could have cut it out. You wouldn't have lost anything, but it's just another little quirk, basically. Yeah, it's it's fun. And it, it almost feels like a precursor for a star in season three. where like Absolutely. This, there, there was a psychic character that they brought in in season three who was a recurring character. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a totally... Uh, superfluous scene that wasn't really necessary it was just kind of to show that like jimmy had one great idea and now he was given a second chance and his second idea wasn't as great uh, but to be fair, it wasn't technically right. Like he was right. Yeah, I, that's what I liked about it. Like technically, he's it, it. It was a bad idea, but technically, he's two for two so far. Um. So so where so, what happens then? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So basically, um, this is around. We have a couple of character moments between the different characters, and uh, we have this kind of lovely. We have this kind of lovely. Um, scene where Lois is feeling kind of vulnerable and she rings Clark and Clark is with his parents and she doesn't want to intrude. She kind of, you kind of get the feel, you know, the price that Lois pays for being the professional that she is and being the workaholic that she is, is that she doesn't really have any friends and she doesn't really have any loved ones or family or all the way. And she has this conversation with um, Perry basically um, where they kind of say goodbye to each other without really saying goodbye to each other. And it's an, it's, it's a lovely character moment between the two of them. 
um, where, where where Lane Smith kind of wells up a little bit, and you know Lois says that she's going to go over and see Clark, and um, but that should be back before the end, and you know you can see Lane Smith is 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 about to break down crying and stuff and they they have a hug and then she goes off um but it's a lovely little scene i thought yeah it was great and then we get back to um clark and the kents and they're trying to convince him that he has these powers and they he's up on the rooftop and they're trying to explain to him how to fly and it's really really funny and yeah uh, that you know they're like oh you know you just need to will it to happen son and finally he stands up on the ledge and they they push him over and you get this awful Dean Kane. Ah! Yeah. Well, Martha, I, uh, Mar- I I was fully sure remembering that it was Jonathan that did it, but it was Martha. Martha just pushes him off the ledge and he, uh, he goes straight down into the, into the trash cans and the alleyway beneath him. Yeah. And then very, very, very funny. He, he um, w- which I always had a problem with because if you see the entrance to his apartment in the other episodes, it looks like it's at street level. But then when in this episode, it looks like he's on top of a building. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't really add up to be honest, but it does come back in other episodes. Then again, like later on, that it's the same thing where it looks like you can get into his apartment at street level, but anyway, it doesn't matter who cares. Um, he meets Lois down in the garbage and she's like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, what, why are you, fishing around in a garbage can he's like oh i'm looking for clues or something so he comes across like he's a total nut job yeah and she says something about superman and i i i can't remember the exact exchange they have but she starts talking about he he basically he basically asks her what you know to tell him about superman um and she basically starts uh, explaining all of his superman's good qualities and why he's so important to people and within the first couple of words that she says his memory he starts you don't see it but he starts remembering things that have happened in the past and you can see that he's his his memory has come back and previous episode stock footage pops up yeah yeah and then they talk there's this there's this nice little exchange where um they're talking and she's like you know something along the lines of oh you know i really like you clark and then he's like oh i like you too Lois." and she goes like i love you yeah and then she kind of catches herself and there's kind of this awkward moment and then she's like like a brother and then she walks off and he's like yeah i definitely remember that (laughs) and that made me laugh um and then superman flies into space stops the asteroid and there's this rips the shirt open no cape yes, underneath no cape clearly under, no yeah. cape uh so i I'm, I'm trying to tell myself that, that was a nod to panic in the sky where you can kind of tell that george reeves doesn't have a cape on either um but yeah. no it's he really pulls it like he he literally pulls it off his shoulders and there's definitely no cape there so that's a, a little bit lazy yeah no that's absolutely fair i i, I feel like maybe he had the cape in his uh, belt or something. It was like super condensed down into like a, a, a really, really tiny piece of fabric <laughs> and he was able to expand it using it. Anyway, um, he flies into space, stops the rest of the asteroid and there's this really cool shot where you see the Daily Planet globe and it's like covered in kind of this confetti stuff because people yeah, are just on yeah. the streets celebrating and we go into the newsroom and everyone's drinking champagne and Lois is like, Oh, Clark, you just missed Superman saving the world, which I, I always love because it's actually the first moment in the series where Superman saves the world. Like usually it's yeah. Superman versus a couple of goofy guys. 
they have you can see out the, they're kind of sitting in the office and you can see the glitter outside the window which i thought was a nice touch and uh like he, he clark tries to plead the case of clark kent and the the the, the trauma that he had suffered and uh, lois lane kind of brushes it off as as if it was nothing she's like uh, clark superman had to put it all on the line twice you bumped your head and fell into some trash cans you know <laughs> and kind of belittles them again uh and then it it, it wraps up then and it, it, it comes to an end but it's 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 a really fun episode really oh, really enjoy it it's so charming and the, the guy who um wrote the, I, he's credited as writing the teleplay of this episode but I, I think fundamentally he is the writer of this episode he's a guy named Bryce Zabel and he wrote a couple of really really great episodes in season one and I think they're some of the best ones of the whole series to be honest he wrote um, The Green Green Glow of Home which is where we find one of my favourites Kryptonite for the first time they go back to Smallville and it's, it's just a really really great episode and he, you mentioned Bureau 39 it's this kind of like clandestine government agency that sort of hates aliens and they're trying to expose superman and stuff and he introduces them in an earlier episode and that's a really strong episode and i think he wrote a one or two others that were good um so yeah like any 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 of the ones he wrote generally were were very very good and he was only there for the first season they they changed the whole writing team for season two yeah. onwards but um yeah all shook up is definitely one of my favorites i have to say i absolutely agree so looking back on the four, we've covered four different versions, um, not of exactly the same story, but basically the same the same concept. Which way would you rank the four? Um, which way would I I would probably go all choke up, panic in the sky. Ooh, after that, I don't know. I mean, I do like Menace from the Stars and Superboy Lost in different ways. I'd probably go Menace from the Stars and then Superboy Lost. Yeah, I think I think that's I think you'd, you'd almost have to give third spot to the original story. Um, that's where it all spawned from. Um, and then the fact that Superboy is just such a, a divergence yeah. from the story. I mean, it has the the, the, the initial concept of the asteroid and the, uh, and the amnesia. But after that, it kind of it goes off on a tangent, I think. And um, I don't think it's executed quite as well as the rest of them. Um, but saying that, yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Uh, Lois, uh, Lois and Clark is definitely my favorite version of the story. George Reeves is definitely number two. And then it's it's much of a muchness between uh, Menace from the Stars and um, Superboy Lost. But I, I think I'd have to give the edge to Menace from the Stars as well. The thing about the thing about these stories is what I what I liked about this episode of the podcast and what I liked about uh, this concept. You came up with the concept of going back over these, um, you know, they, they had this similar thread going through them all. And what I like about it is it really gave us a feel of it really gave me a feel of the different uh, eras of the superman character you know you're going from the, the 1950s comic books to the 1950s tv series to the 1980s tv show to the 1990s tv show um and you can see how everything how every one of them approached it individually um, and like even to take nothing else away from it the fact that i got the superman the 50s book um I wouldn't have gotten that if we weren't if we weren't going back over Menace from the Stars. And uh, like I, I have to say, I highly recommend it. I'm really enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. And um, I'd highly recommend that if you're not that familiar with those that era of the of the stories, that you should go back and check them out because you know they are silly, but there's definitely there's definitely a lot to them, and they they are a lot of fun. 
Um, so I think we can probably wrap it up there. So once again, we'd like to remind you that you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Superfan. Follow us on Twitter at All Star Super Pod. Please do get in touch. Let us know your thoughts and feelings on asteroids and any of the other exciting topics we discussed on tonight's episode. And if you ever want to find us, just look up. Stay safe, everybody. Take care. Bye bye.